Let's do some so-called jokes about today's topics. If America had a royal family, how would that affect the number of Black Lives Matter riots? Crazy homeless people have figured out a new way to get people run over by the subway. Get yourself killed, and they'll jump in front of the trains themselves. You are guilty, sir. Guilty of the highest crime in the land. You are guilty of being Donald Trump. Well, get ready for this episode of the Anti-Woke Podcast. We had another big bank failure, so I looked up banks on Wikipedia. And there have been things like banks around for a very long time, I mean, way before year zero. Like maybe India or China had banks back in the day. One group that had banks was the Sumerians. And I should learn more about them, but I believe this is true, that they were... I don't know, they were like an early civilization somewhere around the Middle East, and I think maybe they reinvented the alphabet. I think the reason why the clock is divided into 12 chunks is because the Sumerians something something 12. I think we found really old writings that are like, you know, four cows got traded for 20 sheep or something, and that's the first business paperwork of all time. And also the some of the earliest writing and some of the earliest math and etc. And then later on the Greeks and the Romans had something. And then I guess I really don't know this. I really know I need a timeline of the world. I need an AI hooked to my brain with a timeline of the world. But anyways, after the Romans, I think it was the Dark Ages, and it was like things got real primitive for quite a while. Middle Ages are in there somehow too. And then, somewhere around 1300, came the Renaissance. And I think it happened in Italy. You know, I think if the Renaissance had happened in Nigeria, then I'd probably be living in Africa, a descendant of slaves, slaves asking for reparations. But it happened in Italy. And how it got to Europe was there was two Italian families who had banks in Italy, I think Florence, and they got like crazy rich. I can't remember their names. We'll call them the, the Guidos and the Guidettes. And they opened up bank branches, whatever that looked like back then, um, in Europe. And I was reading Wikipedia, and I don't know why. It struck me as funny. It made me laugh out loud. But there was a sentence in the history of banks. And basically it said that the Guidos lent 900000 gold coins to Edward III of England. So they gave him a million, basically, gold coins, like actual, you could hold in your hand, gold coins. And he needed the money because of the, he was fighting the Hundred Year War, which is like England and France, and it went on for 116 years, and like, you know, there'd be someone, a king would have a son, and the son would grow up and become king, and then he would have a son, and then that one would grow up and become king, and they would all do it. You know, you'd be born in the middle of the war and you would die in the middle of the war. It just kept going and going. But anyways, Edward the Third needed some money and I guess he seemed like a good guy to loan money to. And then, so the Guidettes loaned Edward the Third 600,000 gold coins. So he borrowed a million and a half gold coins. And then here's the funny part. He didn't pay any of it back. And those two family banking empires went out of business. 
Crime statistics from Payless. Crime statistics. There was one mass shooting that the national media covered this week. Uh, it was a Hispanic white supremacist in Texas. Killed eight at a shopping mall. And then a police officer who was there for some other reason killed him. And... He, you know, he went to some questionable sites online. He maybe got some Nazi tattoos. Uh, it was all the rage there for a few days and then haven't heard anything since. So makes you wonder if that exactly panned out. That was all preliminary information, which is the perfect kind to put out there real quick to everyone as much as you possibly can before things might change. And I think he was your classic Hispanic white supremacist who gets a gun and goes kills white people although there was a Asian family but I think that I think they count as white I think it didn't fit the narrative enough for the media to bother with the life stories of each victim they were just numbers but last week NBC News did a retrospective on the I think Highland Park parade shooting because they didn't have enough shootings to talk about. And it must be some sort of anniversary, but NPR was talking about the Buffalo supermarket shooting this this week. That was the one where a racist went into a supermarket and killed uh, maybe 10 black people. That one warranted learning about each victim and talking about it for, I don't know if this is the first anniversary or maybe the second, anyways. Talking about it for years to come. And, you know, this week, but the media ignored it. Um, a homeless black guy, but he had a gun, so he's, I mean, you know, he could have sold that gun and bought food. But anyways, instead he used the gun to go up and shoot two white men in the back of the head. And he got charged with a hate crime, which is, you, you never charge black people with a hate crime. You never go full retard. But anyways, uh, you know, that was a hate crime, racially motivated, double murder. Um, I think some other people got shot and lived, maybe. But anyways, national media did not pick up on that one at all. That was a local news story. And then somehow people on Twitter were looking at the stats, and Elon Musk replied to some of it and was talking to people about it, which... You know, if he replies to something, all of a sudden a million people see what he was replied to. So a lot of people who did not want to know about interracial crime statistics, I think accidentally learned about some. And so the it started with there's this picture of a bar graph that has like white on black, violent crime, black on white, Hispanic on white, Hispanic on black. Anyways, every which direction. I don't think it had Asians. And this bar graph, it's just, there's a huge bar that's way bigger than every other bar. Probably bigger than all of them put together. And that bar is black on white violent crime. And then there's a little bar that is the white on black violent crime. And then someone's trying to make a meme or something. But it shows like uh, a TV camera, like a guy with a TV camera like you'd see in a studio. Um, he's zoomed in on the white on black teeny little bar part of the bar graph and this is these are stats from 2018 the um they have stopped collecting 
black on white interracial violent crime statistics, or at least they've stopped publishing it. So you have to you have to go back a few years. I'm sure it'll be much much worse in 2020, 2021, etc., or better depending on your viewpoint. But that year it was like 550,000 violent attacks, black to white, and then I think 60,000 white to black. So about 10 times. And if you do it per capita, that would make it 50 times. And Elon replied to that picture. He said, odd. Why would the media misrepresent the real situation to such an extreme degree? And it's because they're racist against whites. But anyways, that was, that was kind of interesting. And now Twitter has a new CEO, uh, a woman who might be a little bit woke. So I don't, I don't know if Elon was like, you know what, I need someone else to oversee this. I can't trust myself. And there was a flurry of people talking about black crime statistics on Twitter there. And they're like, this is it. Things are going to change. The media is going to have to recognize the reality. And I don't know. A couple days later, we're right back to where we were. And then maybe the same day in Texas... Someone drove their car into a bunch of illegal immigrants, killed maybe seven. And the media was pretty stoked. This was sounding like white supremacy. But I think it just turned out to be a Hispanic guy who was drunk or on drugs or something. Wah, wah. Basically, these mass shootings and interracial uh, violent situations, it's become a spectator sport. People get to pick a team to root for, and there are matches that come out, and you see if you win or lose. And that Marine who chokeholded the crazy black guy on the subway that I mentioned last week, uh, he got charged with second-degree manslaughter. The grand jury charged him with a ham sandwich. And so I imagine it'll take quite a while to get to the case. Uh, the Marine is... He's free on bail until the case. It was kind of a similar situation where a Hispanic bodega worker killed a black robber, or maybe the guy was just attacking him. No, the the guy's the black guy's girlfriend was trying to not pay. In anyways, anyways, the black guy went in there, was getting violent. The bodega worker knifed him, killed him, and they charged him right off the bat. And then everyone was like, you can't be charging this bodega worker when someone's attacking him. And then I think people who were saying that, this time they're like, you can't be letting this white guy go free when someone's attacking him. And if this was 2020, I mean, that white guy would be foregone conclusion convicted. But uh, I think people are getting pretty tired of crazy people on the subway doing violent stuff. So, you know, you only need a... One, I guess one of those people to get a hung jury. So we'll wait and see. He might get off. Oh, and it turned out the subway guy who died, he was a top 50 homeless guy. New York City has some ranking where the 50 craziest, most violent homeless people go on a special list. And this guy was one of those. So King Charles was taken over from Queen Elizabeth. I think he's less popular with the public over there than she was. And the whole monarchy is less popular amongst young compared to the old. 
I think it's part of systemic racism. Like, because of the internet, Australia, Britain, Canada, they're all, they all believe the same systemic racism stuff. Even if they didn't have slaves and don't have very many black people or any descendants of slaves, they think they do. Because, you know, they get their same information from the same internet as America. I think in Britain, their kind of impoverished slash criminal minority is Pakistani. But when you watch British TV shows, they are not bending over backwards to give jobs to Pakistani people. They're, they're giving them to like the very rare black person in Britain. But it made me wonder how rich was King Charles and, you know, exactly what did he own? I, I guess what it was is like, does he own the crown jewels? And I'm not sure what the crown jewels are, but there's some real nice jewels that are worth a lot of money. And the answer is he does not own them. And so some quick Google searching gave me some numbers uh, that said that he's worth about $2 billion, but is in charge of like $48 billion. So that's probably, you know, some of the big castles. He doesn't own them, but, you know, he can live there and tell people what to do, crown jewels, etc. And I think he inherited $500 million from his mom, and that's tax-free. In Britain, they will really hit you with an inheritance tax normally, I think, but royalty gets to keep it. Otherwise, every time it's switched, you know, with a normal person, they take away about half. So after a few generations, you wouldn't be a super rich royal. And then there's something called the Sovereign Grant that I never heard of, but that's kind of like your walking around money. Or maybe it's your upkeep money. So you don't have to sell a castle to pay the people who look after the castle. And so he gets $86 million a year to run the royal operation. And I think the royal family is a good idea. Um, I mean, they're not in control of stuff. But I think it just makes people act more civilized when they got a royal family. Like, if America had a royal family, instead of 570 violent riots from Black Lives Matter, you know, maybe we would have only had a couple hundred. Immigration is in the news because Title 42 just ended. That was the one that allowed you to not hear asylum claims because of the pandemic. And I think when Trump was president, they were using that and they were kicking people out of the country and it was working. And then Biden, I mean, he has that, he has the same rule and it just ended, but it's basically open borders. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. In fact, people crossing the border went down after Title 42 ended. There's a theory, conspiracy possibly, that uh, the Biden administration told Mexico just slow people down on the first few days after Title 42. We don't want to deal with the news stories otherwise. And it's interesting to hear the media talk about it. It's like the Biden spokesman will say, the border is not open. And the media will be like, you know, that's all they'll say. According to a Biden spokesman, the border is not open. Next story. And then I think the reality is uh, women they're in. Kids, they're in. Men, if you have a woman, oh no, if you have a kid associated with you, you're in. 
And then single men, you have to do it old school style, do it illegally. Um, I guess if you pay a coyote, like a, I guess, I guess it's not coyotes, it's cartel people. If you pay cartel people, I think it's like 10 grand, uh, they give you three tries. I guess if it takes you four tries to get in, you have to pay more. It's kind of like a warranty. And so the other thing that the media says that gives the wrong impression is they say apprehended. So this past week, 60,000 migrants uh, were apprehended. And apprehended sounds like, you know, what you do to criminals and something bad happens to you. But if you are apprehended, then that means they give you a piece of paper. I guess right, right now the court system is backed up to 2027. So they give you a piece of paper or whatever. They give you a date, 2027 or later, saying you can stay in America till then, but in 2027, come back and we'll discuss whether or not you can continue staying. And then, obviously, if you don't show up for that hearing, then you just stay. Now, I think that immigration, it hurts poor Americans, and it hurts the countries that they come from. But if you want to call Republicans racist, it's useful to just say, let them in. As a reminder, um, illegal immigration helps homeowners and hurts people who don't own a home. And it helps people with highly skilled jobs, and it hurts people with low-skilled jobs, or no jobs. So it helps married couples, hurts single moms, helps whites, hurts blacks, helps rich, hurts poor, helps college-educated, hurts no high school, etc. And so it wasn't that long ago, like, Bernie Sanders was against immigration because of it reducing workers' power and wages uh, in 2016, and then by 2020, you know, he had gotten the memo, who cares about, like, black men who need a job? They can get fucked. Uh, white liberals who are college-educated and live in the city say, let them all in. And so if you want to become the Democratic president, you got to let it, you got to say let them in. And so Bernie, I mean, I thought Bernie would stick to his guns, but he did not. He's pro-max, you know, he's pro-open borders. And let's see, 60,000 in the last week apprehended. So if you run that out, that would be three million a year. And no one knows the number of, they're called gotaways. Those are the people who just do it illegally instead of working the system. I think that number is like one to three million a year. So maybe, you know, maybe for every 50 Americans, we just gained an extra American in the past year. I hope you don't live in a place with a tight housing market. And they say that immigrants don't commit any more crime than Americans. They commit the same amount. So that means they commit less crime than black people and more crime than white people. And it just happens to average out nicely. And it looks up some polling to see how people feel. Um, so illegal aliens should be allowed to become citizens. 80% of Democrats and 37% of Republicans believe that. So basically... Virtually all Democrats believe, yeah, come on in, you can be a citizen. And then, I mean, 37%, that's getting close to half Republicans uh, think, yeah, anyone who gets in, fine. I said before, you know, if you really believe that, just start sending airplanes to every country in the world. Just start sending 747s to Africa. Send 100 a day. Send 100 of them to South America a day. Just fill them up with people who want to come to America and bring them on over. I mean, if that's what, you know... 
This is a democracy. If that's what voters decide. Somehow, you know, if you ask it like that, they wouldn't say. They're like, if they get here, you know, I guess if they, you know, if a 12-year-old girl can walk 2,000 miles and only get raped seven times and then cross the border and get apprehended, then she can stay. But otherwise, no. But basically, people who don't vote, people, you know, which is the uneducated, people who don't have no money, same, same kind of people, and therefore have no political capital, and then in the case of black people, I think they think immig immigrants are good. They're unaware. They're unaware that they are the ones who bear the brunt of immigration the most. Uh, but, you know, it's a nice F you to white people. Anyways, all the people hurt by immigration don't vote, don't have no power, or are unaware that they're being hurt by it, and so they're not against it. And then Republican voters are one thing, but Republican politicians are controlled by the rich, and the rich benefit fabulously. You know, if every house in San Francisco doubles in price in the next six months, well, that's perfect if you already own a house in San Francisco. And so the Republican politicians uh, want maximum open borders too, and here we are. And then the thing that might actually work if you don't want a bunch of illegal immigrants is the thing called E-Verify, which means there's a computer system and you have to have a valid social security number to get a job. And if you don't, then your employer gets sanctioned. Like the boss of the landscaping company loses all his money. And, you know, like Trump, I mean, no, no politician mentions it. It was E-Verify comes from the Clinton days in the 90s. No politician mentions it because you don't want people to know that that option is out there. It's already created. Trump was asked about it one time. He's like, ah, that's, that's not good for the businesses. And he's right. It would be good for the poor workers, but it wasn't, wouldn't be good for the businesses. So Trump wasn't for it. And then DeSantis in Florida, I think they're in the middle of implementing it right now. And you might remember when Mitt Romney was running for president, he said, self-deport. He's like, we need to get people, we need to get these immigrants to self-deport. Because it doesn't look good to grab people kicking and screaming in handcuffs and throw them over the border. But self-deport means if you can't work here, you know, if you're just a homeless person with no job here, all of a sudden your home country looks better. And that's where your family is. And you go back. And let's mention that. So yeah, it hurts the countries that they're coming from. Like, what do you think Venezuela, how, how are things going to be when all your workers leave? We are not doing them a favor by taking all their workers. The debt ceiling is in the news again. It's not time to start caring, in my opinion. Defaulting on the debt, it's like a game of chicken. It's the Republicans and the Democrats are driving in a car straight towards each other. Who's going to swerve first? And there, re there isn't really anything that's like, you know, you... you you rip the steering wheel off of your car and throw it out the window so you can't change your mind and the other one has to swerve. That kind of thing doesn't really exist here. But one or both of them will call it off and be the chicken. And the reason why is because who we owe the debt to. Like a third of the debt is to foreign countries. Number one, the number one debt holder is China, but number two is Japan. Like we love Japan. We're gonna screw over Japan. No, no Republicans, no Democrats want to screw over Japan. Number three is Brazil. You know, it's except for China, it's mostly countries that we like. And we already took back our money that Russia had, or froze the account. But maybe you could see us doing something crazy if it was, you know, just to, just to mess with other countries. But after that, the uh, 
groups that matter who hold a lot of U.S. debt. It's rich Americans and American retirees. And those are literally the two favorite groups of politicians in Washington, D.C. I can't remember what it's called, if it's T-bills or bonds, 10-year bonds, or maybe that means the same thing. But rich people, they put their money into stocks, real estate, and then government debt, you know, bonds or T-bills. And they use a little bit of their money to buy politicians. So they're gonna tell the politicians that, yeah, keep paying me. And then other groups that put their money into bonds is all of America's retirement accounts, your 401k, etc., has got a bunch of money into bonds. Uh, I don't think the politicians are gonna tank everyone's 401k. And then the final thing, it's a huge, I don't know, it's almost like a third, it's a huge chunk. It's a bunch of horseshit, but anyways, it's owed to Social Security. The government has been possibly wasting our money and borrowing it from Social Security. So Trump was in the news for a couple things this week. He did a town hall on CNN talking to a crowd and he was found liable, not guilty, in a civil, not criminal court case. Now, I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm not normally a Trump fan. Um, he's just a crazy piece of person who's useful to do a big middle finger to the people in power. But CNN put some clips of this town hall on YouTube and I watched them and Trump was absolutely hilarious. Like he was better than virtually any stand-up comic I've ever seen. And there was a CNN reporter there asking him questions. You just, da, 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 January 6th. And having someone there who's like really offended, I think that makes it funnier. I don't know if it'd be that funny if it was just him at a rally. And Trump looked so good that all the main, you know, every outlet of the mainstream media wrote an article saying, we got our eyes on you, CNN. You may next to be canceled. And the crowd gave him a standing ovation when he came in, and they were laughing and clapping. It was like Trump and a Trump-supporting crowd, and the joke was on CNN. And then a lady named E. Jean Carroll, uh, she took Trump to court for raping her in the 90s. And previously, she wrote an article saying he raped her, and he went on the internet and said, you're a liar, so she sued him for defamation. Like, you have to prove the rape before you can get the defamation? I don't know. But she won on the defamation, and the jury downgraded the rape to sexual abuse. They kind of believe she was raped. So, I mean, that just sounds, that sounds funky to me. I mean, Trump just went through, or is still going through, a, a politically motivated witch hunt. I mean, I don't, I don't say that lightly, but anyways, the Manhattan DA is doing one already with Trump. So this lady, I mean, she looks like a crazy person. That was one of Trump's jokes. He mentioned in the town hall that she has a cat named Vagina. And she did an interview with Anderson Cooper where he's like, well, rape is a crime of violence, not of sex. And she's like, you know, it's kind of sexy crime. I mean, she wrote an article about the incident that, you know, I said this and he said this and he gave me this look and I gave him this look back. But then she didn't know what year it was or anything that could possibly prove or disprove it. She didn't remember, but she remembered everything else. And I don't know. It could have been a rape. It kind of came off as a rape fantasy. 
And that's the question, you know, how many women in America have Trump derangement syndrome? I'm just going to throw out a number, uh, 10 million. So if you have 10 million women who are just crazy out of their head with hatred for a guy, how many of them are going to make false rape accusations or molestation accusations? I don't know. There's 15. He's been accused by like 15. So, I mean, I don't know. What's the over-under? But generally, you can't use past bad acts of a criminal to prove a, a current bad act. But there's an exception in the law for sex stuff. And so they were able to bring in all the 15 accusers' accusations and say, look, this guy's got a history. That means you can convict. Oh, and civil is preponderance of the evidence. So 50% plus a feather. It's not like a criminal case that's hard to prove or supposed to be hard to prove. So basically, if you get, I mean, it's kind of a he said, she said, which means, okay, well, I give 50% to him and 50% to her. And it's like, well, no, you know, in America today, we believe the woman 51%. Well, then boom, you automatically win every civil case or the woman does. And Trump had previously been caught on a hot mic. It's called the Access Hollywood tape or something, where he said, if you're a star, women will let you grab them by the pussy. And I don't know what you're going to do about a hot mic situation, but uh, he didn't show up in the courtroom and testify, but he did a videotaped one. And so the opposing lawyer was like, is it true that stars can, that women will let stars grab them by the pussy? He's like, yeah, it's true. And she's like, are you a star? He's like, yeah, I'm a star. So you're not supposed to throw that onto the pile of the 15 TDS women plus this woman who names her cat Vagina plus you say you're a star. You got a problem. And so they didn't find him liable for rape, but they found him liable for sexual abuse. I think that means like, yeah, we don't believe this particular crazy lady, but we bet he grabbed some other woman by the pussy sometime. And, or, you know, probably many women by the pussy at some point. And I bet one of them didn't enjoy it. So because of that, libel. Here's a clip of Trump. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. That's what you said, correct? Well, historically, that's true with stars. It's true with stars that, that they can grab women by the pussy? Well, that's what it's... If you look over the last million years, I guess that's been... Largely true, not always, but largely true. Unfortunately or fortunately. And you consider yourself uh, to be a star? I think you can say that, yeah. I had a flirtatious visit to the doctor yesterday. There was a cute medical assistant who brought me from the waiting room to the scale. Let me try and set the table. She was blonde. Um, I mean, I'm 50, so she was probably, I mean, she was young. She was probably under 47. She had blonde hair, cute face, nice body. I'd say she had a BMI similar to mine, so, you know, not over 30 pounds overweight. And she had checked my vitals on the previous visit, and I guess she kind of remembered me because she decided to try and say my name when she was calling out to the waiting room, and it's a hard name. My name is Peregrine. And she was close, saying it a little bit wrong, maybe Peregrine. She's like, Peregrine, Peregrine, am I saying it right? And the way I dumb it down for children and adults is I say, Peregrine, Peregrine. And she said, Peregrine. 
pair of grins and she gave me a big smile. And as I got on that evil scale to see if I've been following doctor's orders, I said to her, no one has ever said that to me. You're the first person to think of that. And she goes, oh, really? And I said, no. And she thought that was funny. How do I know? Well, she said it was funny, but she also laughed. You know, if someone says something is funny, but they don't laugh, what they really mean is someone else might have found that funny, but not me. A California commission has come up with a recommendation of up to $1.2 million for reparations for black people in California. I think it was started by the governor, Gavin Newsom. And I don't think anyone thinks this proposal is gonna fly. Um, San Francisco did a commission that had a recommendation last year that said $5 million per black person. But the statewide one, I mean, if you got the governor, whatever, it's got some powerful people behind it. And maybe it's just a nice way to say America's racist or you know, if you really want 50,000, you started a million, so 50K looks better. Or it's just a bunch of white people virtue signaling. But let's try a little for and against reparations in general. Um, well, no one in California is a slave owner. And no one in California is a slave. And so taxing an innocent person more or spending their tax money that they were hoping would help them on something that doesn't help them is doesn't sound super fair on the other hand black people are poorer than white people even today and slavery is bad so maybe someone needs to be punished for that or maybe what's not fair is being poorer than white people and so it's, it is fair. It is fair to take money from whoever and give it to black people because they need money, and that's fair. And so who gets to decide what's fair? Maybe the California voters. Maybe at some point we'll get, we'll get some national reparations and just be all voters. And maybe while the Supreme Court is outlawing affirmative action, a.k.a. discrimination on the basis of race, even if it's to help black people, it may be the voters don't get to decide what's fair. It'll be taken out of their hands and you just can't do reparations. And human people have done things that ain't fair forever. They've always done. They've always done unjust things. And in fact, people still do unjust things. But you don't see every human everywhere talking about reparations. Like, the pattern I notice is you need to find some people who have a lot of money and are just possibly dumb enough to give it away, then you start talking about reparations. I mean, North Africa enslaved over a million Europeans back in the day, but you can't get no money out of Africa, so ain't no one talking about reparations for that one. And obviously, if a black guy throws a woman in front of a subway and she gets ate up, um, their, her kid does not get to get reparations from all black people, even though that's much more recent. Now last year, San Francisco had a commission that came up with $5 million per black person. Obviously, the only people who have made a ton of money off of that was the people on the commission themselves. But the criteria for reparations I find interesting because, like I say, the Supreme Court is gonna say you can't just do it on the basis of race. That's discrimination that's illegal.
But there is legal precedent, I think, for multi-generational people do something bad happens and you get money from like, you know, if someone if a if a mom and a dad are killed in a car accident, then I think their kid can, you know, sue the other driver's insurance company. So San Francisco's proposal, I think it was just it was like black people who lived in San Francisco 20 years ago or something. I mean, they thought through that you can't just have everyone, every black person in America move to San Francisco and get $5 million for their troubles. And the San Francisco one and the California one, they have something about prison. Prison is racist, but in a good way or something where you get more, you're more likely to get the money or you get more money if you went to prison or a family member went to prison. I imagine they have a rule where it's like, you can't go, you know, like, oh, you weren't eligible, but you went and did something bad and went to prison and now you are eligible or else the prisoners are going to be real rich. It could be like you have life in prison, but you're not eligible. But if you commit a crime in prison, if you murder your cellmate, maybe then you get reparations. But the statewide proposal, um, it has something about showing that your ancestors were slaves or that they were black people who lived in America before 1900. So while it would be fun to give money to Nigerian immigrants who just moved here because that's a nice way of saying, screw America, I hate America, um, those immigrants would not be eligible. And I think the, I mean, the slavery part makes sense. And then the 1900 cutoff, maybe that's Jim Crow. I mean, California was n never had slaves, never did Jim Crow, but that don't matter. And the longer you've lived in California, um, the more money you get. So you got to come up with paperwork, and if you lived a long time in California, you get more money. So basically, the people who are going to get the most money are going to be people who are rich enough to do paperwork and have lived in California from when pr home prices were cheap till today. So basically rich people. Rich black people are going to be the ones who get the money. If you're a gangbanger or the baby mama of said gangbanger, you probably can't get your shit together to do the paperwork, etc. And I guess the baby of the baby mama is probably not old enough. Now, I think the average American is worth maybe 130000 so boom. Now you're worth, ten, you know, you could be worth 10 times the average right there. And you probably are, like I say, you probably already own your, own your home, house, so uh, I don't know, get a beach house. Maybe move out of California because of the homeless problem. Maybe that's the soft underbelly of reparations. You, you give people money hoping that the black people will move out of your state. But so you ask for reparations from people who have money, but that's actually the federal government, and then people who are dumb enough to give it away, now that's California. So you gotta have both things at once, which they don't have. The reparations are estimated to cost $500 billion, which the state budget is 300 billion, so basically one to two years of the state budget. And the federal government, they can basically just print money. So they could pay as much reparations as you want. It would cause crazy inflation, but anyways, they could do it. But states can't print their own dollar. So states would, you know, California would either have to raise their taxes a bunch or they would have to stop doing lunch paid for at school for the cute little Hispanic kids. And basically that's who would pay. So California is 39% Hispanic, 
35 white and 5% black. And federal income taxes, poor people don't pay any, but everyone pays state taxes. So basically Hispanics are gonna have to pay for what, basically Hispanics in California are gonna have to pay for what a minuscule amount of white people in the South did 200 years ago. And also your average black person is richer than your average Hispanic person. So there you go, Hispanics, you're gonna, you're gonna have to give money to a person richer than you. I watched a few videos of the California Reparations Committee. I guess they were presenting their findings to like a, look like a like stadium seating movie theater. It was about half full, mostly black people. And people were yelling at them that 1.2 million isn't enough and some old black guy, he got up there and he's like, he, he wouldn't take less than 200 million per black person. I think anything less was racist. And everyone there agreed on some form of reparations. I mean, no one was stupid enough to turn up and say something contradictory. But even when everyone agreed, they still had to call security a few times, I think, to calm it down. And the black lady in charge of the committee, I think she's a psychologist. Like she was asked, hey, did you know, you, you, you figured all this math out. It's $1.2 million. Did you look at how to pay for it at all, like in the budget? And she said something like, uh, that part's not important. I think, because everyone knows, it ain't happening. Like, if you could put a dollar amount on your hatred of America and white people, oh, well, a million. It's like kids who are like, I'm right. No, I'm right. Well, I'm double right. Well, I'm right times affinity. So Gavin Newsom, so he started the committee uh, right after George Floyd in 2020. So I think those people are getting paid the whole time. I believe the San Francisco people made a bundle. But since the results finally came out, it was put to him. What did he, what did he think? You know, was, was he going to put together legislation to pay the 1.2 million to all the, or up to 1.2 for all the black people? And he said that reparations is, is about so much more than money which I think is code for the number's gonna have lots of zeros, but there isn't gonna be anything but zeros involved. And there was another estimate that said it was gonna cost $800 billion. So that would be about three years California state budget. Sorry kids, no lunch, no fixing the roads, no cops, no nothing for three years. And apparently in the 80s under Ronald Reagan, um, Japanese people got reparations for the internment camps during World War II. I need to watch some videos on that. Uh, I think they built like these little, kind of like one-room houses out in the middle of nowhere, and then they put Japanese families in them uh, against their will. I anyways, they got 20 grand in the 80s. Now, I think it only went to ones who it actually happened to. It wasn't like, oh, your grandpa or... You know, it wasn't seven generations ago something happened to your family. It was you personally were put in a house against your will. I think 20 grand back then, that's probably like 30, 40 now. And I think these committees are told, come back, you know, do whatever you want. Take as long as you want. We're going to pay you a fabulous amount of money. But here's the one criteria. When you get back to us, we need a number greater than $1 million dollars. 
Because if you come back with a reasonable number, we might have to pay it. Like if they've come back with, I don't know, a thousand dollars, Gavin, you know, the media would have problems ignoring Gavin Newsom and asking him, hey, why aren't you paying the thousand dollars? You started the committee, etc. Or hey, if, you know, if it came back with twenty grand, like hey, Japanese got twenty grand, what's up? But you know, million dollars. All right, let's never speak of that again. And there's a theory that South Carolina is the first state in the Democratic primary, and it's all and the Democrats in South Carolina are all black people. And so this was Gavin Newsom trying to be popular in South Carolina if and when he runs for president. And something else that's funky about California not being a slave state and then the cutoff date being after slavery ended, etc., it's kind of like reparations for racism. But then, you know, that would let in anyone who's not white. So Hispanics, I mean, whatever. The largest group in the state would be owed a bunch of money. If the only criteria is racism... And then if it's just, you know, what about any sort of bigotry or discrimination? That would be women. So, you know, men have to pay men have to pay the taxes so that women can get reparations. And if you're married to a man, do you still get the money? I mean, it's the oppression Olympics. Uh, you'd have to rack up the points. I mean, disabled. I think San Francisco is they've already given money to trans people and anyways, Trans stuff where you can choose to be trans, or you can say that you were trans, I should say. And then people are trying to identify as black. And I guess they figured that one out already. The Marine in the subway chokehold incident has raised one and a half million dollars on Give, Send, Go for his defense. The famous crowdfunding sites are GoFundMe and Indiegogo, and they have some sort of rule where you can raise money for people who riot, but if you protect yourself from rioters, then they kick you off of their site. Um, anyways, and then that was a, created an opening for something called Give, Send, Go, which I think it was a little teeny thing that no one heard of that raised money for Christian stuff. But then they're like, yeah, you can defend yourself from rioters and raise money here. And so now they become kind of the anti-woke crowdfunding site. And the big banks could shut them down at any time, but they haven't done that. And the Bud Light anti-woke po- uh, boycott actually seems to be working. I think now we have numbers for several weeks in a row, and their sales are way down. Uh, Budweiser is down to a lesser extent. I mean, their stock has taken a hit, but, you know, I think they're, they're down maybe several billion for the month. So that's the boycott. But they're also up 10, 10 or 20 billion or something for the last six months. So, I mean, it's not a death blow at all, but I think uh, maybe people with stock, Disney stock, are going to look at Bud Light and go, hmm, maybe we should uh, change our ways a little bit. And the Disney Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, had a very good second week hold. So what does that mean? It's, It's not considered one of the more woke Marvel movies, so... If you make a movie that's not woke, you can still get all the Marvel superhero fans to come in, and superhero fatigue is not real. It's just bad movie fatigue. Or, turns out you can make, you know, people are stupid and they'll watch any Marvel movie, or they're discerning, we don't know. 
but it had a 50% drop, made 60 million for the second for its second weekend, and those are just considered good numbers. And James Gunn is the writer and the director of that, and that's his last Marvel movie. And now he is heading over to Warner Brothers to write and direct Superman and oversee an overhaul of all the DC characters, like now maybe everyone except for Batman. And I'm gonna kind of recommend a TV show. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's called Gary and His Demons. It's a Canadian cartoon for adults where a middle-aged man who hates his life is also the chosen one and he fights demons. And it's not for kids. It has F-bombs and people being dismembered by swords. I mean, you probably already know if it sounds good at all to you. But here's the thing that I really like about it. Each episode is only 15 minutes long. And at least with the second episode, I counted how many times I laughed out loud. And it was five times. So I think that's actually quite a bit. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast. Tell a friend about this podcast. And thanks for listening.